Welcome to the eighth episode of Eastern World 20 Century Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Hamstone, and joining me as always is a Canadian who knows it's never wise to play alone, Logan Saunders. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. We just had a little bit of an interesting situation as literally as I started the intro, Logan's internet disappeared. Yeah, when you reboot internet, it's always best to check with everybody else living there first. <laughs> as my brother said, was someone just using the phone while Logan was trying to use his dial-up internet? Oh, we had, we did have dial-up, but that was 22 years ago, 23 years ago, we gave up dial-up. Did you ever experience dial-up, Michael? I did indeed, yes. You managed to get rid of your dial-up in the early 2020s. Yeah. Oh, man. And this is a very interesting episode, I have to say. It's funny because, it again, it's only a 49-minute episode, which is short by today's Vidim standards, but yet uh, it felt really stretched out in a way. It did. I looked at the clock at one point and went, they've got six minutes to do an execution. That's not long. Well, I mean, there, there was an exemption there, and they... They were only typing in three names, Max. Yeah, but still, in a more modern season, they would have stretched that out for easily 15. Oh, for like the penultimate execution? We would have known who each of the final four suspected, and then at the execution, Peter Yan would have said something about each of the four, type in a minimum of two or three names. Of course, because you're not going to type in Sana's name, I guess. And then after the person goes, then you would hype up the final three and then do the preview for the final three episode. Yeah. Granted, I guess they didn't do it that way for this episode, not just because of the time constraint, but because they were hyping up the final three for quite a while. It's an unusual situation, and it's really tough to not let them pull out of the bag here. I mean, by this episode... Everyone is saying who the mole is. I don't think we really need to be that secretive anymore. Yeah. Are we just going to say it? I think eight episodes into the season, we probably should say that Fritz Sissing is the mole. Yeah. (laughs) But all, yeah, all three candidates know who the mole is. They know that each other knows who the mole is. I mean, there's always that room of a little bit of doubt that they all express, but... They all seem about 96 to 97% certain. And the mole is aware that all, th- that all three know who it is. So in that sense, it's a very unusual, fairly unusual situation. It's tough to you say, oh, the mole, the mole isn't very good then, given that you have an elimination this episode, but yet everyone knows who the mole is. Or is it just, hey, at least the mole did well leading up to this, or the fact that the mole screwed up in the beginning and really recovered throughout the remainder of the season? Yeah, I mean, by the time of the execution, Fritz and Eric know that it's between the two of them. They know that one of them is going to get to the final and one of them very much isn't. Well, even after Sana earns the exemption, all four of them are sitting together along that bench because Sana is in possession of the of the one yoker, and then Eric and Fritz both joke, "Hey, Sana, can we can we have that yoker now that you don't need it?" But they're joking because Sana's just going to give it to Kim, who they all know, who who is the mole. <laughs> yeah, I mean by by this point in the season, we can say Kim is the mole. I think. Yeah, 
Yeah, and Sana just takes uh, says, no, I'm not going to give either of you the yoker. Uh, Kim, can we chat around the corner for a second? Here's the yoker because all it does is just throw it out of the game. But yet she still plays along with Kim saying, oh, Kim, did you know you can't use yokers on the final quiz? Really, Sana? I didn't know that. There's a brilliant editor's joke in that scene, in the fact that obviously Sana does give Kim her one yoker that she has left. But just two episodes beforehand, Sana specifically says that she's not going to give Kim any sort of advantage because she needs to earn it. Right. And then fast forward to episode eight, and she says, oh yeah, I'm just going to give it to Kim because I've got no use for it. And she knows Kim is the mole at this point. I would say about 90% of the audience were probably on Kim by this point. I don't think it was a surprise. Probably 90% on, or maybe 80% on Kim, and then about 20% on Fritz. I think it was more Sana than Fritz. More Sana. I think most people were very much um, were very much like Fritz is obviously just playing, and Eric is obviously very much playing. So the mole is a woman, and we're beating over the head with that concept of the mole being a woman this uh, this season and this episode. Yeah, specifically this episode because Fritz says, eh, "Kim and Sana have yokers. I don't care." <laughs> more spe- or rather, more specifically, well, I take that back because. When Sana gets the when Sana gets the exemption, Fritz and Eric look at each other and say, "It's me or you. It's you or me, buddy." So here's a question, Michael. I know we're pretty much jumping towards the end of the episode because I really don't have that many notes about the rest of what happens. The first ten minute historians episode ever. Yeah, good luck with that. Um, so the obvious question here is: Sana has Sana is exempt. She has a yoker. She knows Kim is the mole. It doesn't matter who she gives the yoker to in terms of stopping her from getting to the final three. If she knows Fritz and Eric, one of Fritz or Eric has to join her in the finale. Why doesn't she give her yoker to the person she wants to face off against in the finale? I agree. And skipping ahead to next episode, I think this may be the decision that costs her the season. Knowing, as I do, that it comes down to time in the end, I think this may be the decision that haunts Sana a little bit. In the same way that the penultimate episode of of Belkier Argentina was Hannah's choice, I think the penultimate episode of this season is Sana's choice, and I think she probably made the wrong decision here. Yeah, because if she gives that yoker to Fritz or Eric... Pretty much by default, the other one goes home because they're very, very likely to tie on on this quiz. Yeah, I mean, we don't know for certain what the the outcome of this test actually was other than Eric going home. We don't know whether it was a tie in the end, but I really wouldn't be surprised if it was. Yeah, even Eric assumes this came down to a tie, and it's very heavily implied this comes down to a tie because bo- both Eric and Fritz have been on the same mole for a very long time and have been very open about it with each other. One very old-school thing in that execution scene, and I know we are jumping all over the place here, is the fact that they give Fritz his screen first. In a new season, they would absolutely give Kim her screen first, and then they would make it a toss-up between Fritz and Eric, because they both know it's a toss-up between them. As soon as Fritz gets that green screen, you'd look at Eric and he goes, yeah, I'm gone. There's no problem about it. 
So what they probably should have done is given Kim her screen first and gone, congratulations, Kim, you're a finalist. And then said, Eric and Fritz, it comes down to you. Yeah. Yeah, the entire story of this episode, and we are going to recap it properly, I promise. The entire story of this episode is essentially Eric or Fritz, who's going to be the third finalist. There's never any tension over whether it's going to be Kim or Sana, or whether one or both of them is going to make it. It's always going to be Fritz or Eric. Which one of them is actually going to make it? So here's my thought on Sana giving the Joker to Kim. I think she gives Kim the Joker because she wants it to be a fair fight between Eric and Fritz. I think she is very much an old school character with that opinion. I don't think you'd see that sort of a move in uh, in a more recent season. No, with if you, when you have people such as if say you have Frazier in the mix or Rocky. They're not going to be ones to really say, oh, it's a fair fight now. No, they're going to be soaking up whatever advantage they can get. Yeah, I think Sana is very much a I'm here for just the experience of being on Vidim character. I think nowadays they tend to cast more people of their archetype who are a little bit more competitive and going and trying to take advantage of every situation. Yeah, with Sana, she does some sneaky things in the past few episodes. It's it's referenced a lot in this episode and the previous one of Eric saying, hmm, maybe Kim really isn't the mole and Sana's just really coming into her own and just wreaking havoc after we've long discounted her as her possibly being the mole. Because with Sana, it seems like the further she goes along, she ch- she has very defined boundaries of how sneaky she'll be in certain situations such as getting the five yokers, she was willing to be super selfish there. And then other situations, she's going to say, nope, I can't be selfish here. I'm going to play for the group. So it's funny that here we have a situation where she says, yep, I'll take money out of the pot to get the exemption. I have this extra yoker. I can influence who's who I face off against the finale with. And if it's somebody who I think is slow at quizzes, I can win the game. But no, I'm going to essentially throw the yoker out of the game and give it to the person I think is the mole. Yeah, I think she got a little bit complacent over Aryan going, and Aryan was her big threat in her mind. And I think she took her eye off the ball a little bit in that she had a lot of control here and threw it away. Well, that was at the very start of the episode where she thought, I never thought I'd be able to win this game if Aryan was still in it. He's gone. So I think she's, she says it multiple times at the start of the episode that she says, not only am I going to reach the final three, but I think I can win this game now, now that Aryan's out. I don't know if it's because Fritz and Eric were the two older people in this cast where she thought, oh, if it's me in front of a computer screen, I'm going to be a lot faster at answering questions than Fritz or Eric, but not realizing that Fritz and Eric have been playing very intense games since the beginning, especially Fritz. I think she just took her eye off the ball a little bit, honestly. Was it overconfidence saying like, oh, I have this, I have the exemption, I have this yoker, I'm just toss this yoker out, you two duke it out, and I, because I'm going to beat either one of you in the finale. I think maybe a little bit, yeah. I think she was short-sighted enough not to see that Fritz and Eric were both also on the correct mole. You don't think that she knew that both of them knew it was Kim at this point? I think she knew at this point. I don't think she realized the extent of their suspicions. Oh, of how early both of them were on to Kim? Yeah. Because I think we said this in the episode 1 1 that Fritz and Eric are already suspicious of Kim in episode 1. Yeah, because Sana's not till way later. She probably, yeah, so she wouldn't be even thinking about 
that Fritz and Eric were onto Kim's trail. So really, she'd be thinking, oh, we all just kind of arrived to the conclusion at roughly the same time when that isn't the case at all this season. Eric was very much on to Kim as of the second challenge of the season. Well, because Kim slips up so much. <laughs> anyway, we're doing a lot of chat that we probably should be doing in the last two episodes, one next week. So let's let's talk about episode eight. So it's the 13th day. It is. And we get a whole, like, ten minutes of Aryan eulogy. Yeah, which has been a common theme this season, where it's just complete shock that Aryan is gone. In fact, it's they start the episode seconds after Aryan has left. They're still in the same venue where they had the execution, where all four of them just say, wow, Aryan's gone, Aryan's gone. We cut to the next day, and they're having multiple confess- confessionals about everyone saying, wow, Aryan, Aryan is out. I had a look. Um, I'd look on the episode after I'd finished watching it again earlier, and I think it's about thirteen minutes in when we stop seeing flashbacks to Aryan and his Yokers. Yeah, it's quite impressive, and we still have the Yoker chat later. But I think it's about thirteen minutes into the episode when they stop doing the sepia toned Aryan flashbacks. It's unprecedented. I can't think of anyone else this season they've done that for to that extent. This episode is very non-linear in a way, because Peter Yan has four conversations, one with each contestant, quizzing them about who they would trust the most or trust the least in past challenges. And it's these conversations are spread all throughout the episode. Yeah, I would say none of the three challenges in this episode are very traditional on the sort of thing that we've that we normally see. The Tokyo Tower one maybe. That's the closest one to any any standard challenges, but the PTN interrogation challenge I'd completely forgotten about, and the twist to the final exemption challenge of you can do it, but you'll cost the group four thousand euros in practice. We never see that. Yeah, no, it's just oh, everyone is just going to remove five thousand euros right at the end. Sorry, guys, whoever wins this only gets seven thousand euros. <laughs> And there is one last Aryan comment that amused me. I, I couldn't catch who said it. it was either Fritz or Eric, I think, who said, yeah, Aryan slept with his mole book. And, of course, we get more of the conversations with Peter Yan, and it takes a long time before we get to the first of the three challenges for this episode with the Tokyo Tower. And it's a very, very quick one. I forgot how quick it is, how quick it plays out on TV. Mainly because it's not the most interesting of challenges, because there's no real hurdles or obstacles that they overcome during this challenge. It was more of an excuse to build up the pod a little bit. Yet none of these three challenges are very interesting for us to talk about, so we are going to be skipping through them very quickly. Yeah, uh, Tokyo Tower, of course, a massive landmark within Japan or within Tokyo. And the only discussion is... The only interesting part of this challenge really is they have to split into two teams. So it's a mini, it's, it's, it's a, it's like a miniature version of amazing race here. The two pairs are going to be 1500 meters away from Tokyo tower in opposite directions. And they can't move more than 2,500 meters total. And they have one hour to reach Tokyo tower and everyone's jockeying for who's paired up with who. Fritz and Eric are along the same lines of making sure that they're not in the same pairing, that one of them is paired up with Kim and one of them is paired up with Sana. And that's really the only argument that goes on here. 
I really like the Tokyo Tower Challenge. It's another one where, like I said last episode, they really use the location very well. You couldn't do it anywhere else, this challenge. The other two you probably could, but the first challenge you very much couldn't do anywhere else in the world. Yes, it was. Yeah, it's. A, I really like this challenge. It's a really creative challenge. It's just that because it was too easy and there really wasn't too much else for them to do, it just doesn't play out as well on TV as you'd hope. But I do really like this challenge and the challenge overall as a concept. Yeah, and also, if you bear in mind that by the time that Kim and Eric reached Tokyo Tower, they've only gone 280 meters more than as the crow flies. That's a genuinely impressive stat, that they only wasted 280 metres. Yes. Yeah, because you're not going to see it right away. You could just go down the wrong street and screw up. Yeah, 280 metres is not much to do it uh, excessively. No. I mean, Fritz and Sanna doing 670 metres is probably about what I would have expected from anyone else. That's what the average person would do, I think. Yeah, the routes aren't going to be as linear as just going in the straight line because obviously it's 1500 meters as a crow flies so it's genuinely impressive that they managed to find a route that was 280 meters and i wonder whether kimmer's mole was told just go a little bit easy on him just try and actually do it properly yeah there'll be more chat really kim doesn't participate too much in this episode i just realized (laughs) no my my one note when we get to the what did the mole do section was as fritz said i don't really think that kim had to do much yeah yeah, Kim has a confessional here saying, no, the mole wants others to make mistakes and deflect the sabotages, which we'll see Kim doing that throughout the season. Eric and Kim also briefly stop near a karaoke bar where there's women in classic Japanese maid outfits, which was amusing. Fritz and Sana briefly argue over directions, especially on an overpass where there are two different paths to get down to the street. Fritz eventually convinces Sana. Sana didn't want to be paired with Kim because of how bad Kim is with directions, and that it would have been a nightmare. And probably the other implication is Kim's bad directions because she's the mole. And really, those were the only notes I had for the whole challenge because Kim and Eric show up. There's over nine minutes left on the clock. They marked 1.78 kilometers. And Fritz and Sana show up with over eight minutes left. They walked 2.17 kilometers and. Money is earned. Potten is finally up to 13,900 euros. And they all trust Fritz enough to be the new penny macer. I was going to say, I love that PEM teases them a little bit going, oh, Fritz is trusted now, is he? Yeah, it took him five episodes and he's finally earned your guys' trust back. It's almost like Sano screwing the rest of them over may uh, may have convinced them that Fritz isn't as evil as they thought two episodes ago. And let's see, yet another Peter Yan has his dinner table conversation with Kim, and we we switch to day 14, and they're having breakfast, and then Eric, I don't know how, but he's the one in possession of Aryan's two yokers. Aryan, Aryan gave them it in the end of the last episode. Oh, he did? Okay. We did actually see that at the end of, uh, at the end of episode 7. So Eric has the two yokers trying to figure out how to give them out fairly so there's four numbers eric's going to write down two numbers each of the other three picks one number so i'm assuming if one of the numbers isn't picked eric gets to keep one yoker and then whichever number is correctly guessed that person receives that yoker and it just so happens son i guess is first 
gets a yoker, Kim gets a second, she gets a yoker too. And then Fritz, this is the beginning of the end for Fritz and Eric in this episode because they look at each other and say, ah, crap, the one person we didn't want to have an advantage has an advantage over us in this quiz. The best thing about it is Fritz doing the really nice um, confessionals about Eric and how they're going to basically fight it out as men and may the best man win. And then Eric's just like, yeah, I hope Fritz is going to be going home later and I can go to the finale. I hope I can face off against Sana. <laughs> but Eric does say that Sana's evolution is interesting to him. He needs to be open to the idea that the mole could still be Sana. Yeah, he's like, yeah, it's really nice to see Sana become a woman during the season. <laughs> Thinking, well, was she like a little, little girl before? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the jokes that we've told about Eric <laughs> earlier in the season, it makes me feel ever so slightly uncomfortable. Him basically leading her into womanhood and all that sort of stuff with his confessionals. It's just a little bit weird. Yeah, apparently if you take 5,000 euros out of the pod and yeah, take five yokers for yourself and tell a couple of lies, somehow that makes you a woman. Before then, you may as well be sitting at the kids' table. And then Eric gets a text and he actually knows how to use the phone. It says, congratulations, you made it to episode eight. And then there is some kanji which the receptionist tells them is a Japanese idiom, meaning ten people, ten colours. And then they meet Peter Yana and Abandoned Bunker, where they can earn the final exemption of the season. And they are given giant carabiners, and have to attach themselves to lines spanning the entire building. They have to make their way around to collect little carabiners of the other three colours, before following the green lines to solve a Tangram puzzle and earn the exemption. If people keep the exemption, then a thousand euros will be taken out of the pot, if not, then €3,000 will be put into the pots. It's funny because in the American version, it would be, oh, if you keep the exemption, you know, 50000 comes out of the pot. If you give the exemption back, we'll put in $100,000 into the pot. Yeah, I, I remember the final dossier challenges of most of the American seasons being like seventy five grand if you don't open the dossier. It was 100000 in the second season. It just blows me away how big the budget was for season two of American Mole. Yeah, it's ludicrous. The The amount of different places that they went to and the amount of nice hotels they stayed in in Switzerland, which is not a cheap place, and then throwing a hundred grand at one of the challenges. It's ludicrous. And the annoying thing is, despite this being a very interesting challenge, there isn't a lot to talk about. It's very visual. <laughs> Yes, because they're all just amazed by that this a place like this exists in Japan. In fact, I didn't know a place like that exists in Japan. Gigantic underground pillars in a bunker. And yeah, we, it's essentially like the the classic Survivor challenges. Because I showed Gian and I watched the first uh, three seasons, of, three and a half seasons of Survivor shortly before she passed. And in the first two seasons, they had that carabiner challenge. And really... All it is is it's just purely visual. You run, see people run along with the carabiner, hook, hook. Fritz gets to the end first, starts working on the Tangram puzzle straight out of Survivor Thailand. Eric is second to work on the puzzle. Sana's third. Kim clearly doesn't care about this challenge. She never shows up, period. Fritz calls out he is done. He's wrong. And Sana's done, and that's the challenge. Fritz calling out that he is done. It's very much a Dan Foley moment, because he is not done. That square, as he calls it, which should be a rectangle, is hella wonky, has loads of gaps in it, and is utterly hilarious. And then, yeah, Sana just does it. 
it's even funnier because they saw what the that the solution was supposed to be uh was supposed to be like a diamond shape <laughs> that's the thing the interesting thing about this challenge is all four of them got different tangrams oh they all had different oh that's kind of unfair fritz's was a square sanna's was a four-pointed star eric's was like two of those stars merged together so it's like six-pointed star and i don't know what kim's was off the top of my head because we didn't need to see it yeah that's not fair because they're not building they, they all need to be building the same thing for it to be equal it's not fair but it is interesting because it means that nobody can cheat off each other yeah, but then that would have been so easy. You just put up dividers. Yeah, but where's the fun in that? But yeah, this was an inherently unfair challenge. But I kind of, I kind of like how charmingly unfair it is. Do you think they were trying to influence the outcome at all in this challenge, or was it randomly dis- distributed the ten gram shapes? I think it was probably randomly distributed. Yeah, because I don't think there was really too much. If they knew all three were on to Kim, there's not really too much incentive as to who gets the exemption here to make it for a more interesting finale. Either way, you get an interesting storyline. In fact, if Eric and Fritz were the were in the finale, that might be the it would be like the big culminating showdown that they've been hyping up since early on in the season. Yeah, I mean, the hilarious thing is I've I have seen the reveal of this season already because it was part of the uh, the reunion when I was watching it a few weeks ago, and it's so low energy compared to what we're used to now. Oh, in Vondel Park? Yeah, obviously we're used to the Vondel Park ones where 5,000 people shout out, V.S. Demol, including me in 2019. Have I ever mentioned that I've been to the Fidden Finale? I know, I know I don't mention it very often. It's hilariously low energy, even by like closed room reveals. Even like the the Albania one was a pretty, a pretty big reveal, even though there was only a couple of hundred people there. This one is just, yeah, the winner being told, and then the mole stepping forward. And it's just so low energy. Subdued. Very Japanese. <laughs> yeah, it's charming. And we'll get to that next uh, next episode. But yeah, it's just so kind of cornily charming how low energy it is. So yeah, Sano wins the exemption. And she takes the decision that literally everyone would take, which is costing the group a thousand euros to make herself safe to the finale. Do you think even if it was 5,000 euros taken out of the pot, she'd still do it? I think she would. Yeah, anyone is going to take the exemption for pretty much any amount of money, I think, there. Because this is that's the most valuable exemption in the whole game. I think the cutoff point might be... I think you'd have to go above 50% of the pot. Yeah, I think, I think they would have had to offer a lot of money for nobody to have taken that exemption. Yeah, I think you'd have to say either 50% of the pot gets taken out if you keep it, or we increase the pot by 50%. And then we do see Kim and Sana with the, the Yoka uh, trade, and Fritz and Eric realise how screwed over they are, and Kim gets the Yoka on the proviso that she helps Sana study for the finale. Can you help give me answers about you to help me win? It's not as stupid as it sounds, because even if she's 100% convinced that it is Kim as she is, if Kim helps her study for Fritz and Kim thinks that Sana suspects Fritz. If he's helping her um, study for Fritz, then she knows what answers to avoid. Simple as that. It is actually technically helpful for her, just not in the way that you'd necessarily expect on the surface of it. Yeah, that's a good point. And then 
after all of this drama with the with Tokyo Tower, with the two yokers being handed out, and the carabiner challenge. So really, this episode has four challenges crammed in after 13 minutes of dedicating to uh, Aryan's uh, surprise exit. So just it's very rapid fire here. And Peter Yan gathers all four of them. And those questions being asked throughout the episode was no coincidence, because now two of those questions will be asked to the other three. It's such an odd choice to do it this way and pepper it through the rest of the episode, because we know all eight answers. We've seen every answer. There were no red herring questions for us here. It was just these eight answers. And it's just odd that this was the final challenge of the episode because this has this this has the least amount of stakes. They're not playing for yokers. They're not playing for a huge amount of money, and they're not playing, of course, for the biggest individual reward of the season, which is the final exemption of the entire game. So this is this challenge just feels feels like an afterthought. <laughs> even though this was the most planned out challenge of the whole episode. And let's be perfectly honest, this challenge was filmed before the other two. There is no way that they didn't use the rest of Day 13 to film this challenge. Yeah, it could have easily been the first one. Uh, so the group has asked what Eric would have done at the Temple Hike. Fritz is insistent that he would have taken the yokers if it was four or more. They discuss whether they actually trust Fritz now, which, you know, is more proof that this was filmed before the Tokyo Tower challenge because there's no way in hell that um, that this actually flies after we've seen that they officially trust him now and go with his choice and earn themselves 250 euros. Do you think that question was the reason that they trusted Fritz to become the Penny Maester? I wouldn't be surprised. I think this is, to quote our good friend Anthony Williams, a little bit of monkeying with the timeline. This was filmed before the Tokyo Tower challenge. And the fact that Fritz was so gung-ho about earning the money and about telling the truth as he does here in both of Eric's questions and pushes them the right direction, I think that's what probably made them go, actually, yeah, we'll, we'll give Fritz another chance. This would have been a great mole tactic, because you're not earning that much money in this challenge, then he could have completely screwed over the group later after becoming Penny Macer. So the next question is who Eric would have trusted least in the Barbara Tapito challenge if he was in Barbara's position. Fritz casts the casting vote for Sana, and is also correct. The next question is who Fritz would have left out of the exemption hunt. They say Sana and are wrong. He actually picked Eric because he trusts him the most. Eric's like, would you have left me in the park for two hours? And then Fritz says, I would have left you in the park for two hours the same reason I was left in the park for two hours. They are then asked who Fritz would have betrayed in Holland Village out of the three of them, and they say Kim, but are wrong again. It was Sana, obviously. And by this point, it is basically an open secret that everyone suspects Kim and that everyone is going gung-ho on Kim. Everyone knows that nobody trusts Kim, really. Yeah. Kim is next, and she's asked who she would have given her yokers to if she was eliminated instead of Aryan, which, as we know, is a moot point. They say Sana and are correct. They suspect Kim wouldn't have spent the night in the forest, but they're wrong. Sana's then asked who she would have invited to dinner, and they quickly say Kim. And the final question is who she would have paired up with in the Exemption Hunt Challenge. They suspect Kim, but are wrong, meaning they earn a thousand of two thousand euros for the challenge, two and a half thousand of seven and a half thousand for the episode, and thirteen thousand nine hundred of sixty one thousand two hundred for the season so far. Sixty one thousand two hundred. I thought there was that one challenge that was worth half a million. Yeah, but you know as well as I do, if you cast your mind back to like six weeks ago when we recorded that episode. We both picked an arbitrary amount, and I think we settled on 3,000. 
So that is the amount we're actually doing. <laughs> Out of a possible, we're not saying it was likely, a possible half a million euros. And bankrupt Avro. I believe it was actually 560,000 songs, so it was 5.6 million or something ridiculous. <laughs> and then everyone openly talks about Kim being the mole. Santa hopes Fritz goes just so they're guaranteed to win the 3,000 euros from the wrong guess from Angela and Carol. And then it's time for the test. One thing I need to note is that right after that final challenge ends, they play the music from season one of 24. It's the theme they use for the bad guys, the Drazen family. And they mix in other uh, music from the 24 soundtrack as well during that whole scene leading up to the quiz. But it's a very, very distinct soundtrack. I'm thinking season one of 24 was in 2001 or 2002. And Vidim Japan was 2010. Because by by this point, all of 24 would have been over. All, well, the first eight seasons, I should say. The original eight would have all been done by this point. So why did they pick a random 24 soundtrack from the very first season? They have some weird musical choices this season, because at the start of the season, we have a lot of the Apprentice soundtrack as well. And it's the Apprentice UK version from... Well, that started in about 2005. It was still ongoing at this point, but... It's a weird choice, anyway. Because I assume it's just got to be producers who just watch a lot of foreign TV shows. So it is time for the test. 20 questions about the identity and actions of the mole. Whoever knows least goes home, except for the mole, who can never go home. Sana has the exemption for the finale, so doesn't have to sit the test. Eric says if Fritz is the mole, then he deserves all the acting awards possible. He absolutely cannot be the mole, which just leaves the women. Fritz says the mole won a yoker, so is female. Kim plays both of her yokers and says maybe the yokers can help her win the game. Sana is suspicious to her as she's good at puzzles, but is also a bit chaotic. It went far too smoothly for her in that challenge, and it could have been because she was told the solution as the mole. PTN then greets them and says one of them is about to leave. It won't be Sana because her exemption that cost a thousand euros has sent her to the finale already. Fritz gets a green screen and Eric looks heartbroken. He says to Peter Yan he knows what the screen will be, and his screen is red, sending him home. Yeah, as soon as Fritz is safe, he really celebrates as if he's won the whole damn season. And then Eric says, I know, I know what it'll be. You, you don't even have to type it in, I'll just I'll just go. They don't even focus on Fritz when he gets a green screen, they focus on Eric, because everyone knows what's about to happen. And Eric gives his phone to Kim. Did he want to give the mole phone to the mole? Well, there's a sneaky thing here, because he does say that he's going to give the mole phone to Kim, but he emphasises the word mole, and he's like, I know it's you. I'm not even being subtle anymore. He, If you go back and watch it, he does emphasise the word mole, and it's hilarious. And he tells Fritz that he has to go and win now. He tells Peter Yan that when Fritz got a green screen, he knew he was done for. He's still not 100% certain that his suspicion is correct, though. Fritz says that Eric really wanted to be the mole, and he would have been a good one. And they, then as a group, wonder if Carol's instinct was correct. And Peter Yen trolls Eric on the way out, where Eric says, oh, I should have found a way to take that exemption this round. And Peter Yen just sits there quietly, stands there quietly for a second and says, too bad. Peter Yen is such a prick to these people. Yeah, it sucks. You, know, you, you fucking blew it, Eric. So, yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. He's been with them for two weeks at this point. 
and he just can't help himself but troll them ever so slightly on the way out. Too bad, yeah. Sorry, Eric. Yeah, you did blow it. You you fucked up. You fucked up, Eric. Now get in the cab and go. <laughs> so next time, Kim and Fritz write in the sand. The finalists interrogate each other. There is a late night encounter with ninjas, and the winner is revealed. And in our case, next time is actually going to be the final two episodes because we don't do reunions separately on historians. So actually, it'll be winner, loser, and mole all revealed. Not that it's particularly subtle after this episode, in which we've pretty much stated who wins, loses, and is the mole. Do we still have to do a separate what did the mole do segment? I don't even think it's worth it this week, do you? (laughs) What did the mole do? Almost nothing. Yeah, we're going to subvert the format this week, and there is no what did the mole do section, because the mole really didn't have to do much, as Fritz said. The mole was very much just taking a backseat, and knowing that all of the seeds that she sowed were actually coming to fruition in this episode. Well, I mean, Kim did say, oh, I would have stayed in the, I would have taken the exemption instead of stayed in the forest that night. That's really her only significant sabotage of the episode. Yeah, that only cost them 250 euros. <laughs> yeah. Which is still more than what you're hoping to. Yeah. Do you want to eulogize Eric? Not that I think I've got much of a eulogy for him. Ah, he's, he had some confessionals that could be taken out of context over the course of the season. I mean, our introduction to him was that he enjoys stimulating people. And coupled with all the ever so slightly seedy things that he said about Santa in the past two weeks, I'm not going to comment. Yeah, he, he maybe he's a big fan of that Britney Spears song, uh, not, not a girl, not yet a woman. Maybe that's what how he was defining I think it's more likely that he is quite comparable to another Britney Spears song, which is Toxic. <laughs> In all seriousness, though, Eric was a fun presence on the season. He got a lot of airtime. About three times as much airtime as Hein did. I think had I got the choice, Eric would have gone in Aryan's place, because I think Aryan would have been a bit more of a fun presence in this episode. Because the storyline of this episode really doesn't pay off. They don't tell it in the way that they probably should have told the the massive Fritz versus Eric battle that this episode ends up being. Because this episode basically determines who's going to win in the end. That's the importance of this episode. But yeah, solid contestant. Yeah, I'd say he's mid-tier in the season in terms of characters. I don't think he's as big a loss as Aryan. And I think it probably would have been a little bit disappointing had he made it to the finale. But I'm not a big fan of his archetype anyway. Well, he's the he's the straight he's the straight man, right? Yeah, there's quite a lot of the the middle aged, slightly boring men in Vidim who do end up being my least favorite of the season. Not mentioning any names for our next historian season, but Tico, for example. Yeah, he wasn't a kooky. The only thing he fumbled was with cell phones, and that was about it. He wasn't quite as kooky as, say, Yakum. No. I enjoyed taking the mick out of him for the stimulating confessional. I enjoyed his lack of ability with the mobile phone. But other than that, I'm not sure it's a huge loss to the season. Anything else you want to say about this episode? Mm, Nope. I genuinely did think your internet had just cut out then. (laughs) Can you imagine? You were silent for just a fraction of a second too long. So in that case, thank you for listening to our Vista Mall 2010 recap. We'll be back next week to conclude the hunt for the Old Mall in Japan as we cover both the finale and reunion episodes. 
don't forget you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram where we are RTV Warriors. Or you can email us in contact at rtvwarriors.com. Logan's on Twitter, Logs of Cracking, and I'm Jay Helmstone. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash rtvwarriors. Thank you as always to Mariki for the subtitles. We'll see you next week. Peace out and just chill till the next of flavoring.